0: The Numinous Podcast, with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversation with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, my online intuition development program for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and today on the podcast, I'm speaking with a brilliant woman who has completely transformed my world, Kelly Deals. And I want to give you a bit of background on this. A couple of years ago, I started to feel icky about marketing my business, about social media, and just the sense of the constant pursuit of growth and improvement, and it just wasn't fitting well with the life that my husband, Ruben, and I are trying to create, where Small is beautiful, and slow is often better, and the connection to the land and to each other is the most important thing. So I started to rebel a bit against traditional business building practices. So, for instance, instead of always trying to grow my list, you know, everything in marketing and entrepreneurship is about growing your list and growing your following, I started to cull my list every month. I just just hit this limit where I was like, "Ah, I don't like having all these people kind of even just energetically in my world. So I went from a couple thousand to just culling it down to 500. Basically, it was like people who've been on my list uh, for over a year, if they hadn't opened 80% of my mail, like 80% of the time, I just deleted them. And so now every month, that's what I try to do. I let people stay on for a year. But after that, if they haven't opened 80%, pretty much, I just delete them. And it feels really good. And it's quite funny, actually, that, you know, you think like I have a podcast, I talk about signing up for my newsletter, but I'm really, I'm just talking to the people who really want to be in relationship with me. And so I, when I go on each month and I'm like, what, how, how can there be like 700? So, you know, I have to, cut you know 200 people or something like i it's funny that i'm always surprised that there's more people but it actually feels really good to get super focused and have you know like 500 people in my life that seem really down with what i'm doing right that's what i want anyway so that's just one example but actually i started to recoil from a lot of the things i used to love and enjoy So not just entrepreneurship, but things like personal development, and just like all my old self-help junkie tendencies, they were just starting to feel really cookie cutter and simplistic and totally insufficient for coping with the reality of the world, the systematic problems of the world. And this even started drifting into my marriage. So my husband and I are great together, except when we want to hurt each other, and so after a while, though, I started to feel like a lot of the therapies and books and workshops we were taking to improve our marriage were missing something. They were missing this bigger cultural context that might acknowledge that the influences that society might be having on us and our expectations of each other and the kinds of things that were recommended to us might, might be problematic. And so I was connecting the dots in my own work and in my own life between attachment theory the abandonment wound, and culture. And I was suddenly really pissed off that after the hundreds of hours and literally thousands of dollars that we'd spent in like couples counseling and stuff, that not a single therapist had ever invited us. Not a single author had ever put forward the idea that maybe we should consider whether patriarchy might put a certain kind of pressure on our marriage And don't even get me started on the five love languages, okay? I know, I know, super helpful for a lot of people and quite problematic in a couple of key areas. Anyway, that's a totally different show. I digress. Anyway, I couldn't help looking at my whole life through this lens. Even my spiritual seeking and the teachers I worked with and the recommendations they gave me, I just couldn't help but notice how insidious the influence of patriarchy and misogyny and even white supremacy, that was like a new thing for me. Anyway, they were insidious. They were in nearly every aspect of my life. And I started to notice that some of the old standards that had guided my spiritual life, like the hero, heroic uh, journey, for instance, um, you know, that it had some problematic (laughs) aspects that were kind of misogynist. Um, I also noticed how few of the role models in my spiritual life were women, and how, of the ones who were women, a high percentage of them had become known more for high achievement in the business world and publishing than for their actual teachings. So, this line of thinking, this inquiry into culture and collective forms of grief and trauma, led me to question whether a lot of the things I'd been trying to heal over the course of my life were not actually personal problems. They were societal. Like, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's my culture. Enter Kelly Deals. Kelly is a writer and a feminist marketing consultant. And that's how I found her. I I found her through my entrepreneurial journey. But she's taught me about so much more than just that. However, this is a key aspect of her work that I am so excited to share with the world. She has articulated the problem I was circling and she's crafted a theoretical framework and given it a name, the Female Lifestyle Empowerment Brand or FLEB for short. So I've read and followed Kelly online daily for over a year and I've attended one of her fantastic workshops, very intimate, very focused. And I've worked with her one-on-one to align my business and my marketing and, you know, the writing I do on my website with my values. Because I got to tell you, man, it's hard. It's hard to edit out all the cliches. And there's a lot of deconditioning that needs to happen to stop sort of defaulting to these habits of, you know, sort of really... um. I don't know, just unhealthy forms of um, comparison and, you know, promoting, I don't know, things that just didn't sit well with me. So sometimes you need outside help. Kelly is the one that I call. I spoke with Kelly online. She was at home in Vancouver, BC. So Kelly, let's start with you telling me and our listeners, what identities do you lead with?
1: I lead with, I'm a writer, I'm a mother, I'm a white woman, I'm a feminist, and I'm an intersectional feminist. Can you explain that for people who haven't heard about intersectionality before? Um, I guess the the best way to explain it is, you know, white women are not synonymous with women. White women are not the central unit of analysis, which means that it's 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 about everyone it's about our multitudes and it's about specifically noting that the further away you are from a dominant identity so that would be like the white straight able-bodied cisgender man the less likely and the harder it is for you to get resources rights and respect even affection
0: that hurts right even affection so I also want to just um, highlight for people who haven't heard the term cisgender before correct me if I'm wrong that means that um, the um, the genitalia basically that you were born with your reproductive pieces that you were born with are the same as the gender that you identify
1: with yes
0: right okay so this is why it's so important what when say um, if we say women get paid 77 cents on, you know, every guy's dollar, whatever it is, that's only white women. So an intersectional feminist would point out that white women get 70 cents on the dollar, whereas Latina women would get, say, 66. And and so we would, we would, what is it? I think
1: it's 54.
0: 54. God damn.
1: Yeah, it's wildness.
0: Right, so this is what you mean when you say the white woman is not the the, the cent. We're, we're not centering the white woman's experience as though that's everyone's experience. So intersectionality is taking in that there's varying degrees of privilege even within vulnerable populations. Is that kind of? Have I
1: got you? And, and I think I think the other thing that you would want to sort of pin some emphasis on, or that I would, is that white women, although we experience marginalization in the bigger culture, we often perpetuate marginalization we often oppress our brown gay queer transgender poor sisters yeah yeah often the problem for them just as the patriarchy is a problem for us
0: Ooh, okay we're starting really big and good and this is perfect so for all listeners who are kind of having a bit of a, a, a brain explosion or who just need to kind of pause with that we are going to pause with that. We're going to come back to that a little later on. Um, but let's get back to getting to know you, Kelly. So, um, okay. So you also work in the world of marketing.
1: You're a copywriter, right? Well, yeah, I think I would say I'm a marketing consultant these days. I I'm trained as a copywriter and that's sort of, I think, my first skill and talent. I'm broadening my range right now and I tend to deal more in the strategy space.
0: Right. And so... What was interesting about your history that I've uh, read and as I've gotten to know you is um, something that I don't know that I've personally experienced in relationship, but I've definitely experienced in the workplace or I definitely know men who are part of what I, what I call the pickup artist culture. I don't know if everyone else calls it a culture, Um, but you had an experience with a pickup artist and I'd love to know how you connected the dots between pickup artist culture and coercive marketing.
1: Sure. So I had an experience, I think I've had a couple of experiences where I, I was deliberately profiled and then sort of manipulated based on a strategy that's been laid out by, um, you know, online Dating leaders. And I use the word very loosely.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dating <laughs> so like, or leaders. Right yeah. Are
1: <laughs> dating formulas that teach men how to prey on women, destabilize them emotionally so that they are pliable and fall into line and do what you want them to do without you having to invest in any significant way in that relationship or in their well-being. Right. So
0: these are, you know, people might have heard of like David D'Angelo or the book called The Game or um, like Mystery Method. You could Google any of those if you like, don't do it after you've eaten lunch, because honestly, women, you'll want to puke. Like it's really, this is a, this is really, I have to say, the vile underbelly of the dating world and the training that men are getting.
1: Right. So then the other one to point out would be Roosh V. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Last year we wanted to protest when he wanted to like have this International Day, you know, campaigning for the right to rape to be legalized on private property. Yeah, you know, I'm sure that was a massive publicity stunt, but we need to sort of, we needed to stand up against that. So, okay, so pick up artistry. I was profiled. Um, I was dating online after my divorce in the year 36 and um i met this fellow whose online screen handle was david d'angelo did not twig for me at all because i didn't know what that meant um met him went on some dates with him you know was spending some time with him and then i got this call and it was his wife and she was so lovely to me and i was so humiliated and had no idea and you know she walked me through what was going on i wasn't the only woman he'd confessed that he'd read you know all this work by this person david d'angelo and was trying to try out his skills and and so on and so forth so i was so bobsmacked that i went and bought all of david (laughs) d'angelo's work and um read it all and realize, like, I actually recognize lines, I recognize strategies, like, I recognize the whole ploy that I had fallen for all of it. And like little things that make a guy seem kind of smart and sarcastic and funny are like something called a nig, where they give you a compliment, but it's kind of a backhanded compliment. So you're kind of shocked, and he seems sort of cocky, and it's kind of in a weird way attractive because he's not trying to kiss your ass. And I'm kind of accustomed to when I'm dating men, trying to kiss my ass, you know, that that was, um, it was really revealing. And this is actually exactly how I started connecting the dots between abusive marketing and pickup artist culture was because as I did research, because that's my background. I am I'm come from the background of science. I was a researcher. Um, I did research onto the per- on the person producing. Who is David D'Angelo? Where is this material coming from? And as I dug in, I realized David D'Angelo is actually a pen name. It's kind of like a brand, it's not a real person. And the person behind it, his name is Evan Pagan. Okay, so
0: just pause because anybody who's been working in digital marketing, online marketing for the last while who doesn't know this, they probably have heard the name because he's endorsed by Marie Forleo, um, you know, the, the Chris Carr types, the Jeff Walker types, like, you know, so Eben Pagan, all around nice guy, kind of, you know, charming, charismatic and like, boom, this is where when you pointed that out in a blog post, I was like, no, no, such betrayal.
1: Right. Evan Pagan comes off as being what we call a conscious marketer. Um, And he, this is how he got his start online was with this, you know, predatory pickup artist system. And David D'Angelo is not the only brand that he owns there, nor is he finished with it. It goes on today. It's not something that he got his start and then he like had a crisis of heart or a conscience or he developed in a new direction. This thing is still making him money. And it's, it's the, the template for all the other brands that he subsequently de- developed under the company Hot Topic Media, including Rory Ray who a lot of women might know because she teaches this thing called circular dating and sort of how to sort of tap into your inner femininity and you know your your source of strength as a woman in order to comply and profile men and get them to do what you want like Uber femme. um uh, christian carter which other women might also if they've been on plenty of fish might recognize because he's promoted there all the time called catch them and keep them so basically the flip of david d'angelo Um, And I think there's a couple of others that I'm forgetting offhand, but there's about five of them um, under this umbrella.
0: And his wife, Evan Hagen got married and his wife does like a have great love
1: kind of thing too. I will point out that partner in her sort of love sex relationship enterprise is Mark Grafney, who is um, has, there's a New York Times article about what a sexual predator In the integral community and in this sort of um, d- divine conscious community. What a predator, what a sexual predator he's been, including being accused of rape by two girls who were teenagers when it happened. God. And that is her partner in this, you know, divine conscious love, sex- love sexuality enterprise. So we really have to look at the connections between people who are teaching us how to market online, and what their actual sort of base moral compass is we are looking at people who are very okay with manipulating our subconscious processes to get uh, to create authority and get people to do what they want mm-hmm. i what what got me interested in evan pagan for example was when i was reading all this david d'angelo stuff of course i started getting flooded with emails from you know the David D'Angelo, Evan Pagan, copywriting, you know, marketing, online marketing machine. And as a copywriter, I started looking at copywriting, going like, this is really good copywriting. It really works. And I started pulling it apart. Like, why is this working? Um, And then I actually didn't have the wake up call at that moment. I was just like, this really works. And I started teaching myself how to do it. Um, And then I read a book called launch by jeff walker who is in a mastermind called the syndicate with evan pagan and one of the other members of the syndicate is um frank kern who was investigated by the ftc for prod and you know i just i'm putting this because again this is like the moral barometer that i want us to start paying attention to mm-hmm. so i i started teaching myself how to do this kind of copywriting and then i read the launch book And I also read a book called Persuasion by Dr. Robert Cialdini. And what Launch by Jeff Walker does is tell you how to market online by using all these triggers, these what he calls um, social triggers based on Robert Cialdini's work that, that basically click us into unconscious groups. So it's not about like we're failing to make good choices. It's that there are certain triggers that activate our basic human programming and push our decision making into the subconscious realm. That's not a big deal when you're buying something like toothpaste and you're gonna lose two dollars and it's no biggie, but when you're doing something sort of life altering, like life altering, like choosing a romantic partner, or buying a car at 19% interest, or buying twenty thousand dollars of online coaching, we can't be making decisions from an unconscious place. We need to be up high in the conscious realm of you know, deliberate decision-making.
0: Right. And let's clear Dr. Robert Cialdini's name here because he didn't write the book Persuasion for people with the moral compass of the David D'Angelo, Evan Pegg, and Jeff Walkers of the world, (laughs) right?
1: Right. So that's, that's exactly the point. When you read Persuasion, Dr. Robert Cialdini mapped out mental triggers so that we could recognize when compliance professionals are using them against us.
0: Compliance professionals. So that is a great term to, I think, um, start to uh, infiltrate our business discussions, but also social discussions because compliance professionals are salesmen, politicians, pickup artists, you know, like these are compliance professionals. They They are pushing little buttons in our subconscious that we can't help but comply with unless we're being very vigilant and unless we
1: even know what to look for. Well, and that's why the book by Dr. Robert Scaldini, Persuasion is so important, because he teaches you what to look for, because this is what happens. As soon as you recognize the trigger, as soon as you recognize the sequence, then it doesn't work on you because you click into the conscious realm and it doesn't work. It only works if you're not aware of it. Mm -hmm. So like, if you know, that there's a certain dating technique that tends to work on women called the neg. Know it, as soon as a man runs it on you, you're like, Oh, please. (laughs) And then you immediately have a reply. You're like, this man is not to be trusted. He's profiling me, trying to create authority, trying to get me to do what he wants. He does not have my best interests in mind and he is not an appropriate romantic or sexual partner. See that in salespeople, when we see certain grooves being activated, when they, we see them using certain techniques on us, we need to like immediately back up and like, okay, I need to think about this. This person is trying to make me like them too much too fast because they want me to do something that is not in my best interest. Exactly.
0: And this is also, I think, for our listeners where you know we, we need to start listening through the uh, lens or you know, uh, seeing through the lens of the tendency to um, deify and create gurus in the spiritual scene, because many of them can become or are compliance professionals in the same way because they're trying to sell the next program or the next retreat or whatever it is. So I would love to ask you if you could give some examples of how uh, one of these persuasion strategies might show up in marketing. I've got sort of like three kind of classics from pickup artist culture, (laughs) you know, specifically. Um, So let's talk about authority, since you've already mentioned that.
1: So authority is probably one of the most effective ways to get people to do what you want to do without having to force them to do it. If you signal authority, human social animals are wired to detect signals of authority because what it tells us is this person is wise, this person is a leader, this person knows things and I should listen. It's not actually like an inherently harmful sort of trigger or sequence in, in our, you know, Mental social spiritual beings. It's a social instinct towards cooperation and towards, you know learning and being in community with each other and Recognizing substantial leadership because those people can help us, you know, keep us alive Mm -hmm. What happens is what online marketers do and what pick artists do is try and manufacture the semblance of leadership rather than come to us with the substance of leadership and how they do that online is by showing us you know, a Louis Vuitton bag in a selfie on a stone countertop in their kitchen or um, by displaying wealth and beauty and beautiful clothes and taking pictures in front of the Eiffel Tower on the beach. What that does is signal to us this person has money and privilege and they know things that I don't because I don't have those things. So I need to listen to this person because they know better than I do. Mm -hmm. And then we defer and we switch into the unconscious decision making, where we substitute their judgment for ours. This also happens in pickup culture, where they signal authority to us by surrounding themselves with people we admire, or by trying to subconsciously get the upper hand with us, so that we recognize that there's a power dynamic in which they are the alpha, and we need to follow.
0: Mm hmm. mm -hmm. Okay. so now another interesting one is reciprocity, because especially, you know, there's a lot of small business owners who have learned like, oh, you give away something free and then people will go on your newsletter or that, you know, like this, this idea of reciprocity shows up in marketing a lot, uh, but it also shows up in our interpersonal relationships. And this is where, you know, I I see this happen. Pardon me. I see this happen in pickup artist culture. I also see it in any kind of um, uh, sort of um, high stakes um, social situation where somebody wants to retain alpha-ness somehow. So can you talk a little bit about reciprocity and how that can be used to get your compliance?
1: Right. So I think one of the most obvious and sort of extreme examples of reciprocity being manipulated is love bombing. And I think most of us might've had an experience in our lives where we have been absolutely just saturated with love, attention, affection, gifts, and been just completely like smitten and let down our guards and just felt like, you know, love bombed, felt just amazing. Um, what happens later is we realize that that was a strategy designed to get us to do something that we wouldn't necessarily have done of our own free will. And so reciprocity is you give someone a gift. And what that does is activate our unconscious human social animal programming towards justice, fairness, and like the redistribution of resources. Or if someone gives us something, we feel a compulsion to return the gift. And what that does is it's supposed to go on forever. When you're in... In relationship with someone and they give you a gift and you return that gift and they give you a gift and you return that yeah. gift it goes on forever it keeps things fair and harmonious between the two of you and it keeps things fair and harmonious in a culture because we share our resources out through like gifting reciprocal back and forth it's always mutual there's no end date it goes on forever it's iterative but the way that reciprocity gets perverted by compliance professionals is there's an end goal there's an end date the sequence expires and it expires in their advantage. So they give you a lot of stuff that's not actually of high value to them in order to create this feeling of obligation to you until the point where they want to return you to return something. And they've defined what it is that you're going to return. So in real reciprocity and relationship, you give someone a gift, it's not defined what they're going to give back. They give something back of their own creation, of their own free will, of their own imagination and offering. But in a full reciprocity sequence, the end goal is already defined. The thing that you must give back is either sex or money or something that the, the person who initiated the reciprocity sequence, who gave the first gift, designed. And so
0: is this also... Sorry to interrupt, but is this, would it also be, um, is reciprocity also being activated when, let's say, many of us have gone to see some really great motivational speaker or something, and then they're going to sell their? program at the end. And they're like, normally this costs $10,000, but because you're here today, I mean, I know they're, they're activating scarcity and stuff too, but they do something ridiculous. Like they, they slash it by 70%. Like it's just enormous. And then they spend a whole bunch of time talking about like what great value this is and how like they, they're only doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. And, you know, because you've been such a great audience or whatever. And so they kind of really build that up. There's sort of two things happening there. The false scarcity but I also see that as reciprocity. Like, look, I've done this great, generous thing for you and it's never going to be this good again. So you better do it. You better reciprocate now by acting now.
1: Right. And that, that would be, so whenever you make someone feel like you've given them a gift and in order to give rise to the feeling (coughs) that you want to reciprocate, then yeah, that's reciprocity being triggered. Um, The other thing that would be an example of reciprocity is this is a totally low stakes one. And I do make a distinction about, you know, like we are all compliance professionals, but when we are in low risk transactions, it actually eases decision fatigue. It helps us make decisions quickly, Mm -hmm. high risk decisions. We need to take account, stop, get deliberate, get conscious. Mm -hmm. Um, a low risk reciprocity sequence would be when people are giving away some sort of freebie in order for you to sign up to their email list. Mm -hmm. It's a low stakes transaction. It's a it's a low risk transaction, unless of course it's activating a tripwire to get you into a sequence where at the end you're going to spend twenty grand. Right. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: So you didn't realize at that time, it's like, oh, I just wanted to be on the newsletter. But now it's like, oh, and now we're going to give you this free video, and now we're going to give you this free tool, and now we're, and they kind of keep flooding you with the love bomb when you were like, oh, I
1: just wanted the newsletter. And love bombing is used by sexual predators, (laughs) and it's especially used by men of authority against young, vulnerable women. Mm. And the other thing that happens, I'll give you an example, and I think most of us can relate to that. When you're in a bar and a man comes up to you and wants to buy you a drink and you instantly viscerally do not want that drink and yet somehow you feel obliged to receive that drink because it's just kind of rude to say no to a gift right the reason instinctually you're resisting it and don't want that drink is because you intuitively know that this is activating a sequence where it, now you have to be in relationship with this person. Right. They have an end in mind, and you don't want to go there. But What happens is you just keep saying yes, 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 to all these little things that seem obsequious and unimportant, and what it leads to is a big yes, and suddenly you're like, I don't even know where I am. Right.
0: am I <laughs> I'm in the funnel. I'm in the sequence, and I want to get out. Yeah, I also would like to talk about... Uh, what's known in the pickup artist circles as pre-selection
1: right and in marketing circles that's qualifying a lead Um, (laughs) so so yeah pre-selection is where you get people to basically self-identify to you as willing targets and in the pickup artist circle what that means is they go out to a club and a pickup artist will surround himself with other men who seem to be looking to his lead, who seem to be looking up to him as the alpha, and we pick that language up. So we think, well, that's the high value man. And this is all subconscious. And then the other thing, and this is the most important thing, is they surround themselves with women who look like they have everything that we want. They're beautiful, they're smart, they're polished, they're socially fluid, you know, they are well dressed. So these men are surrounded by women who we want to be.
0: Mm -hmm. And if we are
1: surrounded by such high quality, and that's a pick of artists' term, high quality women, then they must be a valuable, good man.
0: Mm -hmm. And I've seen this happen in relationships, in in that kind of social circle, I've also seen it happen in business where you're like, oh, look, um, that woman, apparently successful businesswoman, she really has herself together. You know, she's got it together. And maybe now I'm doing business with this guy that she's done business with or they're allied somehow, but I'm getting an off feeling. Like I, I kind of feel a bit slimed or I don't, you know, I'm kind of getting shafted a bit, but it's like he's telling me it's my issue and i'm looking at all these other successful women that he's apparently allied with and so i'm starting to question myself like i need to get myself together so the thing about preselection that really irks me is that it 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 almost is it's a signal that tells women to let down their guard. And we don't know we're doing it as women, that we're kind of acquiescing or we're going along in the sequence, even, even though our intuition is telling us there's something off about this guy. But what we need to know is that when we're not listening to our intuition, we're sort of tacitly endorsing this guy. And other women are looking to us, you know, saying, Oh, well then he must be okay. It must just be me. And I feel like women often end up kind of in silos. And so what I love kind of going back to your original story is that 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 pickup artist that that guy's wife was so good to you. And like what a what an act of sisterhood. And for you to receive it so well is, I mean, so fortunate for everyone because now we all get to learn from it. Um, but there's something about that. It's the social proof when we are with these guys and we're kind of not trusting our intuition or we're, you know, doing business or we're hanging out or whatever. What we're doing is other women are letting down their guard as well. And I think that's the most insidious aspect of it.
1: Well, and like, let's talk about this, this, this wife for a moment. She didn't phone and yell at me. She already knew she'd been betrayed by him and that he was the problem. And this is something that we as women don't hold on to because we want to stay in relationship with this man. And so we decide to put the blame on the other woman. But she didn't. She knew it was him. And she called me and she said, I know this wasn't you. I know that you didn't know. I know this was him. So let's us talk about what happened so that we can both figure it out and I can decide what I need to do about him. So she was so smart and so like not able to be screwed over, even in the moment that she was being, (laughs) and like, honestly, she saved me from so much trouble and, you know, really planted the seed of, I need to find out where this is coming from. And that's how I landed on that. This isn't just in, you know, the dating realm, because sometimes we excuse so much bad behavior in the dating realm because we say like all's fair in love and war. But it's not because it's absolutely connected to the social frame that we live
0: in. Mm-hmm. So, can you tell us how what happened at that time? Like, so where are you with it today? How has it impacted your life and your work today?
1: So, um, how it's impacted my life and my work is now I'm writing a book called The Female Lifestyle Empowerment Brand. And let me be clear, it didn't happen because this person profiled me and now I'm like the woman scorned. <laughs> planted a seed in my head to start taking apart the way that people try to get us to do things that are against our best interests and how they do that. They don't get us to do that because we're stupid. They get us to do it because they know how our human social programming works and they leverage it against us. So everything that we call social triggers are actually social conditions. Scarcity is a social condition who experiences scarcity more than marginalized people. So scarcity can be used against every human, but especially against marginalized people. Mm. You know, every human condition of lack, deprivation is a condition of oppression that can be especially leveraged Mm. against marginalized people. So we are especially vulnerable to these sequences and they are often leveraged against us in order to manufacture someone else's privilege. And so that's, I guess, those are the dots that I connected. And where it all came together for me was, you know, in the last couple of years, I've been completely radicalized by seeing so many deaths at the hands of the state, Mm. black deaths at the hands of the state. And I have been looking to some of my women leaders who I previously admired and looked to for leadership, and they have been absent and i just drew all the connection like they talk about empowerment they say they are our leaders and yet all they're actually taught teaching us is how to be rich how by using tools of persuasion and using other women as step ladders to construct personal profit
0: Well, i just want to like stop there like it, it honestly i mean i've been so radicalized and inspired by your work on the female lifestyle empowerment brand And the part that's so heartbreaking is what you just said, is that we have unconsciously, we've been conditioned to use other women as stepladders to keep, and we keep perpetuating the patriarchy. We keep all the things that we might be fighting against, you know, um, uh, lifestyle, laptop lifestyle stuff, you know, fitness, inspiration stuff. You know, you have to look a certain way, the way you eat, the way you parent, all of those things we're wanting to put out, good material. We're wanting to be um, uh, conscious in our business. But so many of the strategies that we're being taught are actually just re-oppressing each other.
1: Well and that brings us back to this intersectional piece. Mm-hmm. I see, you know, the the archetype of the female lifestyle empowerment brand is a very thin, very beautiful, charming, likable, white. Straight, cisgender, able bodied woman who her first leg up is all of those things that she was accidentally born into. And then she creates some kind of business empire because she has a particular skill. And we, but she leads with the beauty and the wealth and the privilege. And we look at her and we want that. And so we're willing to listen to her. So she's constructing empowerment, which is supposed to be a collective condition of liberation. As an individual experience of wealth and privilege. And like completely hollowing out what liberation and empowerment is. It's a political experience, it's a collective experience. And she is using her authority over us to construct her profit. She's using us to construct profit and make in our heads, make it seem like empowerment is wealth and beauty, which is just reifying the current system.
0: And speaking of the current system, so let's talk about a perfect example of female lifestyle empowerment brand, FLEB for short, Ivanka Trump.
1: I've been writing about this for months. (laughs) I've been writing about this for months. So female lifestyle empowerment brand is exactly like the archetype I just mapped out. When we close our eyes and we think about what a successful woman is, she's beautiful, she's thin, she's rich, she's well-dressed, usually in a sheath dress and high heels and long hair and she has children and she is somehow managing to do it all you know she's managing a beautiful business empire and a beautiful family and beautiful children and a loving husband and she has her act and her look together and what that does is that looks to us to be empowerment and we look to her and so when she stands up at the republican national convention and says to us um you know women are only there's only an income gap because women are mothers and then she uses the 79 cent here she's only talking to white women so when she's promising that overworked overwhelmed white women will do better under Donald Trump she is specifically calling white women so empowerment is about the comfort status privilege and wealth of white women and she invites us in you and I are white so that's why I'm speaking to that right now she invites us in because she's speaking to our reality. She's using our numbers, she's using our experience, and she's modeling what we want to be.
0: And what we've been so conditioned to want to be. We we can we can say like, "Oh, I, you know, like what the hell do I care about Ivanka Trump or whatever?" But come on. Everything in us has been conditioned to find that appealing, well-spoken, doing it all, mother, businesswoman, all of those things, not realizing that if the image of success is uh white cis able-bodied all of that then really what we're perpetuating is patriarchy and white supremacy that is what we're that is what we're perpetuating because if she has to do it all which is freaking impossible patriarchy if she has to be white white supremacy you know like this these are the umbra these are terms people hate <laughs> to, to you know when we think like oh i'm being a conscious person and i'm i'm an ally and i'm like i'm really trying hard and it's really hard to hear these things but that's what it is and so this is how donald trump i mean he is the ultimate pickup artist because he surround. this is why he has a beauty pageant this is why he has model wives this is why you know when he's with his daughter there's a kind of sense of possession there he he's even talked about her in weird possessive ways about her looks and things like that so I mean this is where the the personal what we're doing in our relationships and what we're doing in our business is political because it just happened on the global stage we just we all saw it and we we couldn't believe it and we also seemed powerless to stop it
1: Well, and here's the Ivanka Trump piece that I really want to like bring home is that she stood up there as a symbol of empowerment for white women and invited white women in by promising us daycare and maternity leave. Invited white women in hoping and betting that we would overlook her father's racism and xenophobia and homophobia and his explicit campaign platform in order to secure those benefits that would make our personal lives easier, in order to be personally empowered. So she called white women in, believing that white women would sell out every other woman and marginalized group, and 52% of white women in the United States who voted, voted for Donald Trump. It worked. They did. This is yeah. the intersectional piece. Mm-hmm. We white did. women mm-hmm. seeking empowerment when they construct empowerment as personal success and comfort, will sell out every other woman and marginalized group to get there that is what people of color women of color gay people transgender people have been telling us for years Mm -hmm. that is what happens to construct empowerment as freedom for all we have to be in sisterhood with each other rather than just trying to claw our way up the ladder on the backs of our sisters Exactly. And
0: for those of us, like I live in a town that I would call segregated, like it's, 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 Definitely has diverse populations. And my daughter goes to an inner city school and you look at her class, it looks diverse. But honestly, the town that I live in, I would call very white bread vanilla. And it takes a lot of effort to sort of build bridges. So I would imagine that there are a number of people because that's what whiteness does is it keeps us in a white bubble where we kind of center the white experience. And so many of us are probably unaware of like this dynamic happening. But I guarantee if you have, you know, done, if you've signed up for a five-figure coaching program, chances are very high, especially if it was like in the last five years, something <laughs> like five years ago or since, then, chances are very high that if you tried to pull out, you probably had a conversation that was, you know, trying to persuade you to stay in, that was, try- you know, like you probably have a sense of having gone through these kinds of um, sequences and realized at the end when you didn't get the value out of it, That's you just, you just empowered, quote unquote, this lifestyle coach, or this, whatever, this brand building coach, like you just, you, 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 you knew something was off, it wasn't kind of happening. But you excuse certain things. And like, next thing you know, you've gone through the whole sequence. And, you, you know, maybe your life is a little better. But I, I can't even tell you how many of my clients have tried to You know, get out of really high stakes purchases that they felt kind of rushed into or pressured into, or there was some kind of scarcity or time sensitivity. And then when they go, no, actually, it's kind of the trial period's coming up, and I don't think it's right for me. And there's all this pressure to stay in. That is exactly what we're talking about here. (laughs) With that, that, that is not empowerment. Like that is, that is. It's so disempowering to feel that you are now powerless and trapped at the hands of somebody who is supposed to be coaching you.
1: Right. And one of the ways that you can check to see if this might end up happening to you is do a quick check on the imagery on that person's site and marketing material. Oh, interesting. Say more about that. Right. So if look at the, the, the imagery, if the imagery is all of them being tall and thin in tight dresses and high heels and long flowing hair and perfect makeup in front of the Eiffel Tower on beaches, you know, in luxury locations and always polish, 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 professionally pretty, there is a high likelihood that what you're being sold is this image that you know, we know as women, that if you become that woman, you will get more privilege. If you see imagery of luxury, wealth, and beauty in someone's brand, they are probably trying to manufacture a certain kind of authority over you by signaling privilege. They're trying to lure you in with your desire to move up the social ladder.
0: Mm -hmm. And and we all have a desire to be safe and secure and all of that kind of stuff and so I don't want people to feel (laughs) like they've you know that they're they've been weak-minded or something like that because I absolutely I mean I love my website I want to take screenshots of it all of that I love the colors I love all that stuff but honestly like I don't know when this show is going to come out versus when the revamp is happening (laughs) but the more I learn about Female lifestyle empowerment brand, the more I'm like, yeah, I don't really loll about on the beach that much. I need to change these pictures. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what can I do that would feel, um, more like the energy of me, which of course has changed so much as I've been following your work, talk about radicalizing, but, um, yeah, being kind of willing to go a bit, um, to places that are a bit more real m- means that now I kind of shudder when I see that kind of imagery. Um, I, I want to ask a question that's that's quite personal, and this is the last question. Um... Because I know we could talk about this forever, but I, I actually really want people to go right to the st- source. I want them to go to your website, which I'll link to. It's kellydeals.com and uh, read all about this. And I'm very, do you know when the book is going to come out by any chance?
1: I'm still working on the book proposal piece. So,
0: okay. You know, it's probably at least
1: 18 months out.
0: But they should get on your newsletter because I love the Sunday newsletter.
1: Thank it's you. Really well, I'm working out, I use the newsletter as a laboratory. So, I'm working right. out the details of each chapter every week in my newsletter
0: it's so fantastic it's been so useful and and just jugular very central to my thinking and how I've been reworking how I do business in the last year or so so that last question um this is our new last question on the numinous podcast I'd really like to know Kelly how you
1: cope with grief and rage um I I think I look at it as a very long game the vision the world that I'm envisioning and the changes I want to see and help create, I truly, honestly may not see them in my lifetime. And so I have to move away from the need for that hit of exaltation from the winning, because if I'm looking for that hit, I'm gonna be disappointed and demoralized and just wanna crawl under a rock. Mm -hmm. So I accept (laughs) that the demoralization and the sadness and the grief come. And the thing that gets me through it is, I just keep repeating to myself, this is happening no matter what. I don't have to win right now, but I do have to create a better future and be an ancestor, in the words of Stephen Jenkinson, be an ancestor worth claiming. I'm not thinking about empire building. I'm thinking about legacy. I'm thinking about the next generations, and that's what gets me through it. This is happening no matter what. I am 100% committed. It doesn't matter if I'm popular, it doesn't matter if I get pushback, it doesn't matter if I get disowned. This is happening no matter what. I will be an ancestor worth claiming.
0: Mm, That's beautiful and sounds kind of stoic of you too, just accepting that that it's true. We have to be working on a very long timeline and taking up Causes that are that we will not, you know, reap the fruit of. Right? It's like you plant the tree that you'll never experience the shade of. And um, yeah, I I... resistance relentlessness. Like
1: I am unshakable. I am persistent. I do not give up. That is true. I have noticed that, and I really appreciate that.
0: And I feel invigorated, and it's definitely revitalized my work in the last year because I could feel myself not wanting to, you know, market myself, not wanting to put things out there, not wanting to contribute to the noise in the world, not wanting to sell myself, not wanting to hype things. And uh, looking at how I market my business through this lens of social justice has, as I said, just been really um, enlivening. So thank you very much for your work. And thanks so much for being on the show, Kelly.
1: Thank you, Carmen. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on today. And
0: that is how you do that, my friends. Isn't she an incredible thinker and synthesizer and advocate? I, I love listening to Kelly. I love reading her. I don't want to spend too much time summarizing. I want you to go to kellydeals.com and sign up for her newsletter. That's K-E-L-L-Y-D-I-E-L-S.com. I will have a link to Robert Cialdini's book Persuasion in the show notes, a book we've mentioned before on the Numinous podcast. And I'll also provide a link to Kelly's online Facebook group for those of you who are trying to uh, defleb your business model, if you're trying to uh, extricate yourself from the grip of patriarchy and white supremacy, and if you would uh, be a person who intends or claims to uh, promote social justice, but have been using flebby practices. Um, don't feel bad. There's lots of us who are detoxing from it. Uh, so I'll put a, a link to Kelly's online Facebook group. It's, it's called how to sell to women without selling them out. Just before we wrap up, I want to give a shout out to my listeners in Mexico. Mexico. Thank you for listening neighbors to the south almost neighbors um i i don't know how you would find me but i'm so glad that we're connected in this way thank you for listening as i mentioned at the top of the show this podcast is a compliment to the numinous school my online intuition development course if you'd like to be notified when registration reopens in june 2017 hop onto my website and sign up for my newsletter um i will give you a year before i cut you if you don't uh open at least 80% of the 10 emails I send a year. (laughs) While you're there, you may be interested to know that I've posted the dates for my 2017 wilderness quests. It's you and me, 12 days in the mountains, figuring out what needs to be left behind, which thresholds are begging to be crossed, and what true thing you can move forward and embrace as a vision in your life. Get all the details at carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.